being unseen is one of the most uncomfortable places. It's one of the most uncomfortable places for me. Maybe not for you, it is for me. And it could be for different reasons. Maybe you feel unseen because inside you've wanted that relationship, you've wanted that marriage or those children, and for some reason God's not bringing it. Maybe it's a young adult, a teenager, who's come from another country, who comes here and now is expected to speak the language, to wear the right clothes, but either you can't afford it, you don't fit in, you don't know how to get there. Maybe there's unresolved pain from past relationships. Maybe there's depression or anxiety that you hold in here and makes you feel vulnerable. Maybe it's you're coming home from your job and it's been a hard day, it's been a hard shift. Whatever your job realm looks like and you come home and everyone's acting normal, but you just came from the worst work day of your life. So how do you reconcile that? Hey, welcome to Night Church, the Friday evening service of Praxis, the young adult ministry of the Loma Linda University Church. You're going to be hearing some great sermons, testimonies on this podcast that are going to encourage and deepen your faith. We are so excited that you're here, and I hope you enjoy this sermon, and so much so that you share it with someone that you love. Welcome. Hi, everyone. It's good to see you guys. Um, it is my pleasure to be speaking. It's been a minute. Um, and what I'm sharing is very personal and a message that I feel that has been everyone that I've been speaking to in the last few weeks. This is kind of an ongoing theme. So the last couple of weeks, we've been going through the life of David, different parts of his story. So I want you guys to harness your imagination skills. We all still have a little bit of that. So imagine now, you're kind of just observing the story. And you're looking into this massive cave. It's dark. It's pretty much empty. And if you listen closely, you can hear the echoing of the water dropping in the back of the cave. The sun's setting, and the only person you see is a lone man. You see David sitting on the corner, his knees pulled up to his chest, looking out into the sunset. You get closer and you notice he looks pretty beaten up. He's deep in thought. He looks like he hasn't showered, hasn't cleaned up in weeks. His eyes look sunken. He's exhausted. He's been on the run for a long time. He's on the run for his life. How his life has turned in a matter of moments. It seems like it was just yesterday that he's in his father's field, tending the sheep, doing whatever he wants, minding his own business, enjoying the sunshine. And then someone comes and says, hey, David, dad's calling you. We've got a visitor, Samuel's here. So in walks this tall, thin teenager who smells exactly like the sheep he's taking care of, who looks again like he needs another shower, 
and he's the one that God picks. And so David chuckles a little bit at the memory, thinking, I remember my brother's faces when when Samuel poured that oil over my head. And maybe David didn't fully grasp or fully understand quite yet in that moment what it would mean. Life kind of went back to its normal routine after that, and when King Saul kind of had a, started having some hissy fits, they called David in to come play music for him and calm him down. So he goes now from the sh- being shepherd to playing music, calms the king down. A while later he goes, he defeats Goliath. So how in the world is he now sitting in this cave in one of the lowest places of his life? How does he go from being a part of Saul's court to being an outcast, isolated and separated from his best friend Jonathan, from his family, his friends? He's on the road and on the run. I can imagine that David's sitting there thinking, all right, God, like, really? What's, what's the plan here? His faith was wavering. Some time ago, all I needed was a sling and a few stones, and that was perfectly fine. So why now can I not even move? Why now am I in this dark place? So he feels alone, feels separated from his family. He feels unseen. Feeling unseen. How many of you have ever felt that? Ever felt that God maybe had called you for something and now you're not sure? Or maybe you just are existing amidst a group of people and inside struggling with someone that with something that no one else knows. Being unseen is one of the most uncomfortable places. It's one of the most uncomfortable places for me. Maybe not for you, it is for me. And it could be for different reasons. Maybe you feel unseen because inside you've wanted that relationship, you've wanted that marriage or those children, and for some reason God's not bringing it. Maybe you, maybe it's a young adult, a teenager who's come from another country, who comes here and now is expected to speak the language, to wear the right clothes, but either you can't afford it, you don't fit in, you don't know how to get there. Maybe there's unresolved pain from past relationships. Maybe there's depression or anxiety that you hold in here. It makes you feel vulnerable. Maybe it's you're coming home from your job and it's been a hard day. It's been a hard shift. Whatever your job realm looks like and you come home and everyone's acting normal, but you just came from the worst work day of your life. So how do you reconcile that? I'm going to add in another Bible story. Let's take us back 2,000 years ago. And you're in a crowded street. It smells great. Um, Animals running through. Ton of people running through the street. They're following this one person. Throngs of people are crowded around this teacher. And this woman is 
trying to get to him. She's been bleeding for years, unclean, outcasted. She's hunched over. She pulls her shawl over her face, hoping no one sees her. And she thinks, if I can just touch his garment. And when I was reading her story, I was thinking, you know what's crazy is that this woman probably knew everyone in that crowd. The people in the crowd were probably the people she grew up with, that she did her daily errands with, that she did daily life with. And yet, in the midst of that crowd of people she knew, she felt unseen. And she comes behind him, and she's like, if I can just touch his cloak, and then I'll disappear. I don't need acknowledgement. I don't need anything. Part of, part of being unseen, and this might get a little uncomfortable for some people. I know it was uncomfortable for me to come to realize and see for myself. We don't like to be seen at times. And I can go on giving examples, but I want us to think, have we created a space or a culture where we do not share? Vulnerability, I hate that word. I work as a chaplain, so it's kind of ironic, because I walk into a room of people I don't know and say, hey, how are you doing? Tell me your life story. And you don't know me. <laughs> but vulnerability, and I'm sure some of you in this room cringed when I say that. Most people run. Who wants to share? I don't like doing it. And this past year alone was an example. <laughs> Working, I'm also a nurse, and this past year I worked in the ER and I just transitioned into this new role about a month ago. So working this past year in the ER across the way, I encountered things I'd never encountered before. And I entered into a level of anxiety and depression that I've never experienced in my life before. And no one knew, not even my family. And if they knew, they didn't say anything. So why do we hold back? I can't make assumptions for you guys. I can only speak for myself. But I fear that the real me is not enough, is not accepted, not just by the community and the people around me, but by God himself. And I feel like I have to present a perfect picture. This transition from nurse to chaplain has been one of the hardest things because now I'm supposed to go help other people, and I'm over here barely keeping myself together. And so I was thinking, what do we call this? I'm not going to put this on because I think I'm going to ruin the mic. But we like to mask up. I wasn't going to bring this mask because I'm tired of wearing that mask. <laughs> but masking up. I think each one of us knows what our masks look like. Maybe we're masking up intentionally to keep ourselves hidden because we have masks that we continue to place. Sometimes they come in layers until we're like, mm, this mask feels good. This group accepts this mask. God accepts this mask. And sometimes we layer it enough and we wear that mask long enough until we don't even recognize ourselves when we look at ourselves in the mirror. 
So why do I bring this up? Because I feel like I've seen in this past year alone what the culture of masking up has done. And it's contributed to a culture even within our own community, our own church, in our own families, where we, we resist vulnerability and openness. And in that way, we cannot support one another and journey together. So like I said, I was going to tell you guys a little bit. Um, last year was, this past year has been very, very difficult. Everyone's had it hard for their own reasons. So I'll share my own. Um, I've always been pretty resilient. Um, I worked in the ER for six and a half years and six and a half, something like that. I love every minute of it. I would continue doing it the rest of my life. But this past year, like I said, I saw things and I had to be in situations that I've never experienced and that never in my life did I think that's what I would be doing. I remember the day that I felt like the rug was pulled out under my feet and my whole world changed that day. It was in a matter of days, a couple weeks, where I literally came home every day and I cried in the shower because we didn't know what was happening. Just think of back, back then when it all first started, no one knew anything. I prepared myself to not see my family for three months. My family's local, and I know some of you guys don't see your family for even longer. But for me, my family has always been a very integral part of my life. So I prepared myself not to see my family. I prepared myself for being alone, because who wants to hang out with someone who's probably the most infectious there? <laughs> Maybe. Who knows? And I had to accept the fact that because of the unknown, I faced my own mortality. And I remember walking out of my room and feeling all these things and struggling with these things and coming home and looking at those around me, talking on the phone to my family, not being able to verbalize how terrified I was, not being able to verbalize anything and trying to make sense of the fact that I just worked 18 hours and this is what I came home to and it's polar opposite. I missed my normal life because <laughs> there was nothing normal anywhere for me. Hours got longer, and it was in December, my favorite holiday of the year. I love Christmas. Christmas basically starts like next month for me. So <laughs> I love Christmas. And so last December, I remember thinking, I don't really care. I had stopped making plans, like long-term plans. I am a little OCD about some things. I enjoy planning. I have trips planned out like six months in advance. Ask my friends. I think they want me to stop. <laughs> but I stopped planning because I couldn't see moving past December. I worked Christmas Eve 18 hours, and I went, it, was, it is the worst shift of my life. And I got home, and the next morning, I'm supposed to go to my family's house for Christmas, and I'm getting ready. I'm like, I don't even care. I feel numb. And I realized for the first time in my life, I am in one of the deepest and darkest pits of depression that I've ever been in. And I feel like at any moment, 
I'm going to fall, and I'm going to fall hard. And in the midst of a loving community, in the midst of a loving family, I chose to mask up. Didn't help, but that's what I did. A couple months went by, continue working. You just, you know, you get used to it. You just keep it on. It becomes who you are. So day in and day out, I showed up and kept layering. And I'm like, all right, God, it's been a year since I graduated with my master's. Like, what are we doing here? You want me to be a chaplain, right? I think I got the polished mask on. And it's about, it's about a, a little over a month ago that I took a new position out at a different hospital. And I think it was like the second week there, maybe it was the first week, I don't know, it's been a while now. I was driving home on the 210, and I like, was like, all right, God, like, why? <laughs> why am I here? I was literally in that room, and I, couldn't, I had to leave because it, I couldn't handle it. Why did you put me here? Like, I don't, think you, I don't think you're seeing me. I don't think you saw me all last year. And now you put me here wanting me to do something else, helping people, and I can't even help me. It's a progress and a journey. And in that moment, I, I think that was the first time that I was actually honest with myself and with God about how much I needed him and how much I needed help. And he showed up, and he's showed up in different ways, through very specific people, through very specific situations, who've addressed and called me out on the unseen. So that kind of leads me to the next thing. Community. What's the point of having community if we're not doing this with each other? Again, it's uncomfortable. But if we don't create a space for those who feel unseen to come vulnerable to a place of love and support, then what's the point? I'm calling myself out too. In our stories, both of David and the woman who bled, I feel like you see two polar, like different communities. The woman is literally in a community who doesn't see her, doesn't care, and she's probably grown up with all of them. And then we have David. Harness your imagination again. He's sitting at the entrance of that cave. And he's wondering where God is. What's God's purpose for his life? Did God forget he anointed me? Like, am I going to be alone forever? At the lowest of his low. But it is in this low point where he comes to God, where he returns his focus to him and finds himself in his presence again and finds refuge in him. And that's also where his community meets him. And it says in 1 Samuel that his family came to him. His, the soldiers, the people who were outcast came and he built his army to 400 men. So in that lowest of the low, his community came and they came to him. I think there's something to be learned and said about that. When someone's in their lowest, expecting them to come is sometimes unrealistic. And community, we should come to them, or we can come to them. 
So let's be real. Is it our responsibility? Is it our privilege to take the time to see and recognize unseen, the unseen in one another and journey together? Now, I want to caveat that with saying, I'm not telling you to, after the program, go meet everyone in this room and try to take on everyone's burdens and journey with everyone, because even me have my limits, and we cannot journey effectively <laughs> with everyone. But what I am saying is, when are we going to be intentional about your immediate community? Those we see day in and day out. When does the depth come into those relationships? When do we become more intentional about our community? So how do you care for the unseen? Maybe it looks different for each of us. How do we become extensions of his love? First, I think, take time to stop. I don't think we're good at that. I have a hard time with that. Take time to stop. Truly listen and truly ask. Give the extra space for vulnerability. And ask for the permission. Can we journey in this together? Can I journey with you? Like I said, I've had this conversation with a lot of people in the last couple weeks. Um, and recognizing that a lot of people around me are feeling that unseen. And let's be honest, we were never good at this. And last year just made it worse. And a lot of people bottle up in this nice little bottle, shove it away, try not to think about it. And sometimes it's easier for us to be there for the physical, visible pains than for the inner, darker pains. So, I don't know where you're at, and maybe today, feeling unseen is something you're dealing with. Maybe it's at your job. Maybe you've been trying to get that promotion. You've been working hard. You've been trying to do the best you can, and you keep getting passed up. What's wrong with me? Why not me? Why not me now, God? When is it my time, God? When do I get to have that family? I can't get over this, God. I've been betrayed in the past. I've been hurt. How do I move on from that? Depression and anxiety. I don't want to tell people that I'm struggling with it. I don't want, to, I don't want other people to know, God, because I'm the one who holds it together. The list goes on. I wish I could tell you that my story is perfectly tied up in a little bow, color-coordinated, but it's not. And I think that's part of where being real with one another comes in. I don't think any of us can perfectly tie up our story into this perfect little bow. And David's story wasn't perfectly tied up. We don't know much about the woman who was bleeding, who was healed, but I'm sure her story also was not perfectly tied up. But I think that's part of the beauty in our journey of being unseen. That's the beauty is that we get to be real and raw and do this together. Something in the story of the woman 
um, that Jesus healed really touched me. In the version of Luke, it talks about her coming up, touching his robe, and I can just picture like her like being like, all right, I'm going now, trying to sneak away. And then it says, then the woman, seeing that she could not go unnoticed, came trembling and fell at his feet. She could not go unnoticed. Let that sink in. Jesus turned around and says, I see you. So tonight, this week, I don't like to use the word challenge because people don't like that, unless you're very competitive, like me. But I encourage you guys, one, intentionally seek the unseen. Can you guys imagine what our community, what our world, what our life would be like if we did this? There's a learning curve, but we get there. Take the time. Share authentically. Unmask. Two is allow yourself to be unseen with others. And because this part is also revolutionary, this is what testimonies are. This is when we take our mask off and say, hey, this is what I've been through. You are not alone. And I guarantee you 100% of the time, you will find someone in that room with you who is doing, who's going through the exact same thing. And so we give freedom to each other to unmask. And the final one is God sees you. He sees you behind the mask. I don't, I don't care how many layers you put on. He sees you. He's never distant, never impossible to reach. He is real. There was a shift um, earlier this year in like January, February, and the band can come up. Um, there is a shift, if they're not already up here. There you go. <laughs> there was a shift earlier this year where I was in a room for probably six hours straight. I had all my gear on. I was sweating so much. I hadn't had lunch. I hadn't drank water all day. And I was literally having one of the hardest conversations with this family member about the patient. I was in there for six hours straight. The doc leaves the room, and I'm thinking, what the heck? Like, what am I supposed to do now? Like, God, like, what am I supposed to do with this? Like, I am tired. I am done. I can't do it anymore. And as I was holding the patient's hand and talking to the family member, I felt God impressed me and bring in the verse that we heard earlier, Romans 8, 35 to 39. Can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or persecuted or hungry, destitute or in danger, or threatened with death? As the scriptures say, for your sake we were killed every day, we were slaughtered like sheep. Yet despite these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love, neither death 
nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the heaven below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. Maybe you've heard this many times. Maybe it's not now that you let it sink in, but go home tonight and read it. And let it sink in. Nothing, not a mask, not broken dreams, not depression, not anxiety, not a COVID room, can separate you from the love of God. If you hear nothing else from me tonight, and if you take nothing else home, take that home. Maybe you haven't been seen for a while. Maybe there's elements of you that you haven't allowed to be seen for a while. There's nothing that can separate you from his love. So wherever you and I are tonight, whatever unseen part of our lives we are dealing with, know this. There's a God in heaven who sees you. He knows you, acknowledges you. He sees you. Hey, thank you so much for joining us for the Night Church Podcast. We really are excited for where we're going, and you can help us in that mission. There's a few things that you can do. Number one is just stay connected. So if you want to follow up what's going on in the young adult ministry here at Loma Linda University Church, follow us on Instagram at Praxis Ministry. And then the other way to really build from this is to financially contribute. Your donations make such a big impact. And so if you go to lluc.org slash give, you can connect with Praxis Ministry there on a one-time gift or a reoccurring commitment. It makes such a difference. Well, we love you, care for you, and may God bless you richly as you take theory and make it into practice.